Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Hootay Nation, what's going on? It is the Orange is a New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hootay. Zim, say what's up? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello world, how y'all doing? We are coming off a little bit of disappointment. How do you feel, Ace? Uh, I think I feel like everyone else does, man. It's, it's pure frustration. Uh, this game caught me by surprise with us going up by 21 early. I think that that was in a prime position for us to win that game. I think everything that could have gone our way really did early from the gate. This was a game that I felt like the Colts wanted to do, to really uh, base this game off of Jonathan Taylor. They wanted to run it down our throat, but with us going up so early, it really limited them from being able to do that. This was also a game where I said we needed to take T.Y. Hilton out of the game. We were able to do that. However, I warned people about – Burton before the game and Burton just had a field day against us. It was just crazy. But I think automatically, honestly, it's just a frustration of being up this team looking so good early on and then unraveling and seeing some of the decisions that were made uh, that were frustrating. It, it just really was a mixed bag. And honestly, I think at this point, fans want to see wins and they want to just win. I don't care if it's ugly. 
I don't care if it's amazingly how it looks. I think fans just want to win. So that's what I kind of came away from it. How were your uh, or what were your thoughts on the game? There, my I walk away feeling like how I've been feeling the last couple of weeks. It's like when you lose games like that, it's like everything is so magnified. And I, I run through a whole bunch of different lists on why we lost the game. Everyone goes to a lot of crucial plays like, uh, why didn't they go for fourth down? And, you know, like all these different, you know, like why Sims in the slot? Like, why is it, you know, like if you win that game, I don't think you go back on a lot of stuff. Uh, I was talking to people on Twitter just a little bit myself. And the one thing that I will say is this, at no point in that game, you guys can check my live. I do a live every Sunday um, on Instagram. It's them underscore who they, but I was fully on board. I love pressure situations. It's the reason I watch football. I feel like uh, Joe Burrow undoubtedly was going to win that game on the last drive, but he didn't, right? But there were points in that game for the first time ever, the greatness, the, the things that when we were talking last October, November, why I wanted Joe Burrow so bad, it's like this knack that he has for finding people open. You cannot escape his eyes is what is something I used to always tell like my, my father or whatever, like. You can't escape them. If anybody's open, you're going to see it. Numerous times in this game, I was screaming, like, for the first time ever. In the Baltimore game, they were fully outcoached, fully outmatched, whatever, conceded white flag, eight minutes left in the game, right? This game, there were several opportunities, especially with the lead, where he there were guys that were open that he didn't see. Now, I don't, I'm not, I'm going to preface this by saying, that's by no way, shape, or form Joe Burrow didn't cause us to lose the game. But I'm expecting him to be special every week. And I have a very high criteria. Like, you know, I I put him in the top five conversation of quarterbacks right now because he does a lot of different things that some quarterbacks can't. I know that the coaches aren't going to put him in the best scenarios or best situations to win the game. So my expectations for that are really low. So fire Zach Taylor, fire Zach Taylor. I'm with it all day, but at the end of the day, I don't think it equates to wins right now. Although I think if you're going to fire him right now will be the time. I think I told you Brown, uh, if he if he loses two straight. So that would be Colts and then Browns, then you'd be in fire mode. But the one thing I was going to say about Joe Burrow is that in the special moments where he has to be special, he wasn't. He was good. He was good enough to win. He threw for 300 yards. He did great things throughout the game. And I said it again. It wasn't his fault we lost the game. But Joe Burrow five weeks a game doesn't throw that. Five weeks ago, he he doesn't throw that interception at, at the end of the game. And Joe Burrow five weeks ago, <laughs> Joe Burrow wins that game. No, I think what Zim is saying is, is definitely true. I think uh, Joe Burrow definitely uh, was good today, but not great. I think that he summed that out, that out perfectly. He had the the Russian touchdown early in the game. And I think like he also hit on, I think the coaching staff, he wasn't expecting this coaching staff to put Joe in any situations where he was going to win, but he felt like he could kind of out, out um, perform this coaching staff. And I feel the same way that when people talk about the coaching staff, right? Everybody's saying fire Zach Taylor, this and that. Um, For me, Zach actually, and People are probably going to be shocked when I say this. I felt like Zach 
called a good game in some instances. And when I say that, I talk about the flea flickers. I talk I about the flea flicker uh, was the, the, the play, that, uh, his best call all game because you had to be somewhat creative at that point. Right. I love the creativity, even the Tyler Boy end around. I love that. There were even some plays because I was I was doing a live play play by play on YouTube. And he had this play where it was like he faked the handoff. He faked the pass. And it was just it was some great plays that he called. The only thing that I did not like in terms of what Zach Taylor did, it seemed to me that there were two battles going on. There was a battle between the Bengals and the Colts on the field. And there was a battle between the coaching staff and these players when you see certain things that that were happening. Like a lot of people spoke about it on Twitter that they noticed that guys like Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap were not getting snaps. John Ross, what, one snap today? Like it was obvious. And I think when you saw some of the camera angles when they were on Ross on the sideline, you could see him with like this smirk on his face. Like, I can't believe that they're not putting me in the game. I like some of the plays that, he called, but I felt like some of those should have been like a John Ross play. Like nothing against Tyler Boyd. That's my boy. You guys already know I wanted Boyd. But why can't you call that same type of play for John Ross in terms of an end around? I saw the other play to Mike Thomas where they had a play scripted for Mike Thomas. I'm not trying to hate on Mike Thomas or anything. That should have been a John Ross play. I think John Ross gets more separation on that. I think that that's a better play that you run for him. I just wasn't a fan of the personnel that they had, and it became – glaringly obvious that this coaching staff has a problem with certain players when you're looking and you see guys that were undrafted college free agents starting over a Carlos Dunlap or you see Covington get an injury and you're like okay they're gonna throw in Gino because we literally have no one else and after DJ Reader is hurt they're gonna throw in Gino and they don't throw in Gino it's like they threw those guys in only on third down and it's just mind-boggling to say you want to talk about winning and we're not, we're not past. I mean, we're not saying that Gino and Dunlap may have lost the step. Maybe they have, right. But right. they're literally Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins losing the step is better than an undrafted college free agent that was not even drafted in the NFL. And that's no shot against them. Cause I'm glad that they're living out their dream, but it's almost disrespectful to the fan base to tell us that you care about winning when you're in this situation, a game that you had in hand, and when these people start coming back against you, you're like, no, I'm I'm sticking my feet in the sand and I'm not changing. This is what it is. We're sending a message to this team. And ultimately, it did you in in this game. Like, who's to say? Who knows? Maybe they still come back with those same players in. But the whole narrative is going to be you were up, your defense started to get attacked, you had no pass rush. And you literally kept the two best pass rushers um, historically on this team on the sideline. That's going to stick out. So for me, I think the decision to not use them is what I'm critical on on Zach. I still feel like he managed his timeouts well. He's been doing that great, I think, since I believe around week three. I also feel like the decisions. I I know, Zim, you said you didn't like the aggressive. You didn't really care for the aggressiveness. I felt like he should have did it. And I when I was watching it live, I was like, we got to go for this because, like, if we don't, no, no, the I, next touchdown no, that they I'm score. I'm all for that. You're talking about the fourth and one? Yeah, I think it was the fourth and one. And it was like, yeah, it was even. go for it. Hell yeah, it was, it may go have, for it. It may have even been before. that. There was two situations that stick out on my mind. One of them we settled for a field goal that we made, but it only put us up six points. And I was like, if they score a touchdown, they're going to be up. And then the next one was. I think a fourth and one where 
where he took the field goal and he missed the field goal. And that both of those one. situations, was I was like, there were, there was another one. I'm not going to be mad See, at the, the play first call. One, wasn't as mad. And it wasn't because of the, the it, it was the situation. You had you still had a pretty good lead. So putting three points on the board on the first one, on the 55-yard uh, Randy kick, had you missed it, you know, whatever. But at that point, on the fourth and one, the, the, the second one, they should have went for that one. Absolutely. It wasn't even a full yard. Right. And, and, I mean, had he made it or missed it. And and I'm going to tell you, and I was talking with our boy Chris after the game. It's a feeling that I have sometimes when Randy comes out and we just equated it to it's just clutch moments. He's not a clutch kicker. He's I think he's quietly become a good kicker, but he's not, he doesn't have the clutch gene in him. And you got to know your personnel. And at that moment, there was a lot of pressure on that kick. And I really hated the fact that he went for that. They kicked that field goal right there, because I think. Had you scored right there a touchdown, I think the game's really over. Like, if you could have extended that drive, the game might be over just off of that, really. So that was the one. I, I hated that. At the press conference, that, they asked about that one. The first one, I think they still had like a, a seven or ten-point lead or something like that. So Now, the first one was when they went up by six. Like, they, they went up by six, and I was like, okay, if they score a touchdown, they have right, the right, lead. Right. So that one, that one was one I was concerned about. There was one play call. No, no, I didn't. No, no, no. We scored twenty-one straight points. We were up twenty-one nothing. The fi- the kick, the kick that you're talking about is that's in the second have... half. That's in the second half. Yeah, that's the kick. There, there's two Randy kicks. It's the fifty-five and then the forty whatever that he missed off the upright. He didn't make three kicks. What in the first? So he made. So he kicked one in the first half. That's how we went to the yeah I ain't kidding yeah I, I, and you're saying he should have went for that one. I thought we were talking about like okay. There was one that he made. He did make it, and we first went up by six. And I was like, nah, I would have still went you, for that you're because talking about the one in the first half. I got you. I think that may have been the one in the first half. Um, but either way, there was another. I think it was on that drive. He went with a third and one to AJ, and I wasn't mad at that call because it's showing that you have confidence in AJ Green. But the thing that didn't make sense to me was right before that, Mixon has a run where he gets five yards. And then, like, I would think on third and one, you would just turn around and hand it back to Mixon. But he didn't go there. And I think it was like a momentum kind of thing. And for me, like, a lot of people are talking about Randy. I don't even blame Randy because at the end of the day, it's not really Randy's call. If the head coach says, let's go out there and put him in a situation like this, then that's on the head coach. Himself. I thought Randy had a pretty good game, bro. That 55 yarder was huge. Like him missing that 47. I mean, to me, that it, it, he shouldn't even have gone out there for that kick. But this this that's the moral of the story. How I started off this whole thing is like when you lose, everything is magnified. Imagine if you're the Colts and you lose that game. You know, like you're looking at a lot of different stuff, like the the bonehead play with a guy suplexes Geo. You got so many, you, you'll be looking at Jack Doyle fumbling on the first, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're a Colts fan, you're looking at all these different opportunities that you really gave the Bengals to extend drive and and, high, and, and essentially give them points. Think about the Phillip Rivers throw. I mean, 40 yards down the field, mm-hmm. and, and you're surging, you're killing, like, at that moment. They, he was killing all the intermediate passes. He had mm-hmm. and, and had a one-point lead, and he throws it up for grabs and has Jesse Bates come over and get a pick. Like yep. they're, they, you would have magnified that if you're a Colts fan, you could take that win and maybe forget about it. But they did everything in their power uh, throughout that game to give us points. So 
Everything's right. magnified. If we win that game, I don't think anybody cares that John Ross isn't uh, coming out there except me. I think if we win that game, the narrative on AJ Green is now like hyping up, and like now we're like, yeah, the goat's back, right? But because we lost, we nobody's even going to bring up the fact that he just had a hundred yards. No, I definitely am. I definitely am. <laughs> but going back to the to the field goal situation, it was three field goals. The one that I was talking about was the one that we took in the third quarter that put us up twenty-seven to twenty-one. That was the one where I felt like they should have. Nah, you got to go for a touchdown there because as soon as they scored, what happened happened. They took the lead. But like you said, yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about the GOAT because I caught a lot of flack on Twitter, and I think we did. I even saw some people saying that they don't listen to this podcast anymore because of us saying stuff like that. Look, I told y'all. I showed y'all every single play on that thing. Like Since people try to say I was biased and all of that, I was like, it does not look like AJ is washed. It just looks like him and Burrow aren't on the same page. We saw them on the same page today. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with him. Uh, and I think, I mean, it is what it is. That's cool. But the other thing is T. Higgins looked very good as well. There, was, there were definitely some positives. But when you don't win, it's just like, I don't know. And, like, I think some of us before <laughs> the season win, said. Everything's magnified. Like, everything. I, 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 I'm I think thinking before about, the you season. thought about A.J. Green. What about when he didn't high point that football on that deep pass? He should have went I mean, up and got that. I like, mean, that's, feel, that's true. I felt like that was the easy one. The defender didn't even know where the ball was. Yeah, but I feel st- I still feel like AJ came through. Like we can talk about that, but let's talk about fourth and nine where he catches it. If he doesn't catch that, that game is over. So, like, yeah, I definitely feel like he should have caught that ball for sure. But fourth and nine and the third and one catches that he had in this game were just crazy. Like for me, it was just like that's that's the AJ that we are accustomed to in, in that instant. But I think one thing that we said before the season is a lot of people were like, oh, you know, maybe we don't have to win too much, but just make sure that the games were exciting. I think that the game was exciting, but then it wasn't exciting when a a team comes back from a 21 point deficit and then you only score three points in the second half. So uh, with that said, I think we're at one, four and one. This was the stretch that I was worried about uh, because we got the Titans next. You know, we got the Browns. We got the the Steelers. Yeah, I think it's the Titans and the Browns. Like, when I looked at this, I wanted this to be a win. Nah, bro. That's why I was so, like, when we were on here and you saw me, like, dejected early on in the season, that's why. Because those games we needed to win because this stretch is going to be brutal. So, like, I'm sorry. For me. Browns, the whole time, this whole day I've been talking about we see the Browns. The Titans, like, whoa. Like, there's I think no it, I think it's the Titans. It's either I, Browns I, or the I, Titans. So. I thought it was the Browns, then the Titans. But let me say this, though, just to piggyback off of what you were saying. I think ultimately. Yeah, it's the Browns and the Titans. One, right. one thing that makes me very, very concerned about, like, everything. This is one thing that's going to get lost in the sauce. I said this early in the year. Everybody talks about next man up, right? But the problem that we're currently we have we have a lot of problems. People forget that Glasgow, Tupal, Trey Wayne's, uh, DJ Reader, Sam Hubbard are now like out of there. You know, what I'm saying like just completely off the team. You know, these are prime time position starters on the defense, and I guess that's lowering my expectations a little bit. But it doesn't give me an excuse. The one thing that I will say that is very, very, very deflating to me is that it was so many miscommunications in the secondary today that caused a lot of those plays. And that's something from 
Bengals coordinators, like even when Paul Gunther was here, we didn't see much of that. And that's very concerning for me moving forward, even if you're a Lou Anarumu enthusiast. Um, if you're, uh, you know, because the one thing I was going to say is like, I have a plan. I was going to say at the end of this and it involves Darren Simmons, but that that that's the biggest thing that stood out to me. I, I do want to highlight that. It's like there were so many plays in this game where guys were just running free and um, people were like, man, they're in a zone. I'm like, no, they're, they're in zero. And they got guys playing out of position like Sims in the slot with just bad technique to the point that they're so far off the ball that people are thinking we're in a zone defense. Like you got that and you got different guys passing off corners to safeties and the safeties just not on the same page. We saw that a lot in that Eagles game too. Um, and that, that's something I, I'm, I really, that, that is a hundred percent coaching. Like to me, if we're, if we're, if you're going to boil that, like break that down and you were talking about like having a lead. The one thing that I've watched when teams do get big leads and I watch a lot of the chiefs play and I used to, and when I, and I watch saints a lot too, cause I just love watching like how they use the running back position. When you do get a big lead like that, you have to have long sustaining drives because you got to limit the opportunities of the opposition. But what did we see? After we got that big lead, we started saying, well, we got the field goal after the three touchdowns. After that, it was a lot of three and outs. And they have to have long sustaining drives. So part of winning is knowing situational football. And, and that starts with coaching. Yeah, a lot of people are asking us to talk about the Darius Phillips uh, tweet and all of that, talking about him getting burnt up in the game. I, I, I told y'all to be cautiously optimistic about Darius Phillips before the season. I'm not trying to hate on Darius Phillips or anything like that, but I told y'all that the sample size that we had on him based on PFF last year was very small. He only played for four games. I don't think – I think that some of those plays were on him. There was one that was a miscommunication like, miscommunication, like Zim said – uh, between him and Von Bell. Von Bell got cooked today, too. So if you're going if you're gonna bring that pressure for Darius Phillips, definitely got to bring it for him. Sims didn't look much better. Yeah, he talked about it on Twitter, voicing his frustrations. Bad. Sims was bad. He was and really Sims bad. was his See, replacement. Darius Phillips so. gets a pass on a couple of those plays to me. Sims just looked bad. So yeah, Sims looked, looked like bad. He's never, he looked like he's never played in a slot ever in his life. They they had Darius Phillips guarding a tight end, which to me that just doesn't make sense because he's nowhere near as big as a guy like Trey Burton. And I'm not trying to 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 shoot him any bell or anything, but to me it just like okay, Darius Phillips didn't do good. It's not like Lashawn Sims did either. It's not like Von Bell did either. I mean, who else do you really put in there? So for me, um. His his tweet went off, and there were some guys like Sean Williams and John Ross that retweeted it. But I mean, it's obvious. I mean, if you guys can't read between the lines, like it seems that Zach Taylor has lost the locker room. I mean, honestly, like, is it that hard or is it that far fetched to to really think? And he's definitely not wanted after this game. So I think we've seen that. Um, but with that being said, I know Zim has to get you don't, out you don't of here. Think we could beat the Browns though. Do I not think that we can beat the Browns? I don't know. The Browns just got murdered by the by the Steelers, so I think that that's bad for us because they're going to be coming out with a revenge game after being humiliated on national television. If we can force Baker Mayfield to throw the pass, I'm not a Baker Mayfield believer. I kind of talked about that. And even though I picked the Browns on another channel, I wasn't confident in Baker Mayfield. Like when I had to put the money line down today, the money, it hates me to say it, but the money line went to the Steelers. If the Patriots would have just took care of business, I would have won some some decent money today. But 
if Baker Mayfield has to throw, uh, then but, no, but, we but will this, beat them. You see that they pulled them, right? You know that that, that there's a chance. Nah, that I, I didn't even I didn't even watch oh, the right. game so at they, all. So they, they pulled him. He only threw like 15. Baker Mayfield is not good. He's gonna be the downfield follow the Browns, and I've been saying that like no, that's why they've but, had to keep him on the Andy face. Dalton diet. You you might don't even have to worry about Baker Mayfield. Case Keenum came in the game, right? And he didn't look, right. you know, whatever. But that's going to be their conversation. We might get Case Keenum. We might. You saying that's the downfield? Like, I feel like the Browns are 100% in the driver's seat for the number seven seed. And I think they can right. do it by just sustaining and just playing simple football and running the football. And then think about it, too. They're going to get Chubb back in a couple of weeks, too. So, right. Case Keenum even, might be the answer to them. Even really even though Case Keenum is butt cheeks, I think I'd rather play Baker because Baker's gonna, you know, Baker's oh, gonna yeah. throw you one or two picks. Hell you yeah, know that he yeah. is. Yeah, you know that he is. But, so, but this is yeah. the thing too. I, I don't. I think that I think next week, just to kind of move forward, I think it's going to be a close game again, right? I think we probably don't jump out to a twenty-one point lead, but I think it's a close game, and it's going to like. This is the this is the number one thing that I just want to leave. This is my closing thought. The reason why I point to Joe Burrow and I brought up Joe Burrow and people are like, Zim, surely you aren't blaming this on a rookie. Understand, when I saw Joe Burrow last October, last November, whether it was college, NFL, whatever, he has something special that only Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's and stuff of the world had. Today, he was not special, like to me. He didn't do special stuff, and he played a really good game. But if this game is close, those are games that Aaron Rodgers and all these guys have been winning forever. But I know people are saying, well, Zim, it's too soon. He's not normal, and I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be normal. And that's just the one thing that does kind of scare me a little bit. A lot of people in the trap in – the, in the, uh, I say in the trap – in the chat are talking about Penn, uh, Penn Nye, uh, Sue Well, or whatever. Just to give you guys some perspective, we are currently sitting at the number 10 spot in the draft. You aren't going to get that guy. Currently, Top right five. now, you're, you're at the number 10 spot. Do you understand, like, what we did last year was a unicorn of, of occurrence for a team with that much talent to win two games? That's not going to happen again, not with Joe Burrow being at quarterback. And the problem is – what I thought might happen to us like coming into the season and it was a big problem in the Marvin Lewis era is that we're always this six win, 17, seven, 10 uh, win team. So now you're drafting 10, 11, 12. That's how you end up with a John Ross at the number nine spot. Like we're currently at the number 10 and I don't see us based on what I saw today, based on what I've seen us playing the Eagles, the Chargers say we win this game. I think everybody's riding high and thinking we're going to go three, three and one. Right. But because we lose, our fan base is really quick to say, oh, they're done. But when we were up 21 nothing, everybody, including myself, was looking forward like, oh, yeah, bring on the Browns. I still think that we possibly could beat the Browns. I think throughout this season you're going to see you're going to get five, six wins just because Joe Burrow's special. But the thing that is a little concerning to me, and I don't know if this is a product of coaching or the offensive line, he just did not look special throughout the game. There were guys running wide open, and at the end of the game, Five weeks ago, I promise you, he would not have thrown that interception. And that's not to say that he doesn't have a long 10-year career, but I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals curse or whatever you want to call it is already starting to affect him a little bit. Even his mojo at the at the presser after it, I didn't like it. And that's just one thing that just 
I've been so sky high with Joe Burrow that, you know, something I just wanted to bring up, I guess. Yeah, all I can say is in, in closing here is that a lot of people have their guns pointed at Zach Taylor right now. And I probably shouldn't have said that on YouTube because they're probably going to think that I'm trying to be radical. But what I will say is I think people need to look at the bigger picture. I've, I've talked to some people. I can't relay who they are. But this is what people weren't Joe Burrow about. And I think a lot of people kind of point to Zach and stuff like that. You need to point to the person that put Zach in command of the Bengals. You need to point to the person that put Joe Burrow behind this offensive line, the person that hasn't been able to fix the offensive line for five years. We talked about him before, or at least I've talked about him, about him before. It seems like people are scared to say his name, but it's Duke Tobin. You know, this is five years of inconsistent draft picks. Um, same issues that are going round and round. No one talks about it. He vouched personally. I have this on record that he vouched for the Bengals to hire um, Zach Taylor. So he was the deciding factor there. And a lot of people have said, oh, it's always been smoky. Is Mike Brown making these? No, I have definitively like heard it is Duke Tobin. So with that being said, you guys have to keep that same energy with Duke. Zach Taylor was a guy that was in over his head. He was a quarterback coach. Why would you turn down the opportunity to be a head coach? That was probably his dream. So I don't really blame Zach for that. But he was not put in a position to be the guy. And he he just wasn't ready for the position. I think I had a tweet on Twitter that said that, yeah, Zach Taylor was ready to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, but he was not ready to be a head coach. And, you know, I've heard several things, but we'll have to see how the season goes before that comes out. Uh, but what I will say is, don't direct this only to him. And I do have proof on authority that Marvin Lewis is finding this situation comical right now. And uh, one of his beefs, believe it or not, we all wanted Marvin out. I'm not trying to vouch for Marvin here or anything like that. One of his beefs was that he complained about those things in terms of fixing this offensive line, getting players and stuff in here. And he had some battles with them the last two years that he was here and they did not do anything for him. And you, if you notice, when he first came out, his first interview, the first thing he said is they have to fix the offensive line. They still haven't. So he finds it comical that everyone blamed him. And now that we're still having the same issues because the fact remains, you got to keep that same energy with not only just the coaching staff, but the people that hire these guys and put them in place. So with that being, how, go ahead. How, how, how do you think the offensive line played today, though? That's the, that's that's what's bothering. The offensive me. line was fine, but but I think about they were this fine, though. But they were fine, but this is what stuck out to me in that entire game. Offensive line was fine, right? What did they do to Joe Burrow on that last drive? The team that rarely blitzes in the NFL, the second least blitzing team in the NFL, their defensive coordinator at the end of that game, he sent everybody. He sent everybody the whole time. I think the offensive line played well, and I'm not I, I'm not trying to say that. But though. but that also was a team that doesn't blitz. Like let, let's just be real now. They didn't really throw pressure at him like that. Right. Like when we go into Pittsburgh, they're gonna be blitzing. When we go to these other teams, they're gonna be blitzing. So we can't rely well, on honestly, they don't even have to blitz because they're just gonna win their one on one matchups. Like, see, yeah, and me, I mean that's Did the, the offensive biggest... line still play good when Bobby Hart had that holding call, when Bobby Hart let a corner beat him to sack Joe Burrow? Like, like no. Like, no. I mean, I'm not trying to bang See, on that, him that's the, individually. That's the problem with the, with the line is the inconsistencies, and Joe Burrow never knows if they're actually going to hold him. But this is the right. biggest problem from our defense is that our defensive line, 
doesn't win their one-on-one matchups. So when you mm-hmm. so when you go to blitz, see Lou and Arumu, I feel for him right now. All those guys I just named, you talking about five starting defensive linemen, including mm-hmm. I'll put Chino in that conversation, not there, right? So you got mm-hmm. nobody winning their one-on-one matchups. What do you think is going to happen when you when you come with a blitz with a three-man front? It's not going to do anything. The guy's just going to get picked up. So he has a tough cut. So people are saying, well, you got to get pressure. What do you got? Like people were saying that throughout the game. I don't know how you get pressure when nobody's winning their one-on-one matchups. That's a big thing to think. But, to but think the crazy about. But thing, thing was wanted, he wasn't even playing Gino or Carlos Dunlap. Like, how could you? Like, first Gino of all, I got to see the snap counts on Gino. The, the, the Colts offensive line is elite in pass blocking. Like, they have only given up five sacks this season. I tried to warn people before this game. This isn't going to be a game where we really touch Phillip Rivers like that. Like, they're one of the top lines in the league. And because of that, like, when I had Kevin Bowen on, he talked about the fact that they have invested all draft capital in their offensive line. So think about the 49ers last year from a defensive line standpoint and just flip it to the offensive line. That's Bills what the Colts are. It's all first and second round picks on that line. So, like, that I didn't expect us to get pressure like that. Our boy Khalid Kareem almost made a play on Rivers. I actually texted him before the game, and I was like, this is going to be the week that you get the first sack. And he thought that he was going to get Rivers, and he almost had him. He almost kind of knocked the ball out of him, but Rivers, like, ran to the side. But I wasn't really expecting expecting our defensive line to beat them um, and get in the backfield and get a sack. But it was just crazy that you wouldn't even put those guys in the game and that you would put other guys in there and play them the majority of the time. They're getting paid too much money. But I think moving forward, honestly, one thing that Cincinnati needs to do, and this is just every team in Cincinnati, is work on making quick decisions. Right now, they're at a crossroads right now at this very moment. We all know as fans, and they know, that Zach mm-hmm. Taylor isn't going to win a ring, Right. Mm-hmm. Make the decision now. Don't wait till it's too late. Uh, you get to the end of the season and then you're trying to scramble looking for whatever. Let them go. Get them out the way. The one unique thing that we have on this team is a coach that if he were an interim coach, most of the time, all right, and, and the coach I'm talking about is Darren Simmons. If they were to bring Darren Simmons in as the interim coach for the rest of the year, right, unlike Callahan, I, I don't want to see Callahan as an interim coach. I thought I did. But if they did, he's one of the rare guys that he will hold it down. You can see what you got in him at this very moment because you need a good 10-game sample if you want. I really want like an eight-game sample at the minimum to just see what you got in Darren Simmons, right? Mm -hmm. Say he doesn't work out. The next coaching staff still would bring Darren Simmons back potentially as a special teams coach. But I think it's a great opportunity for them to see what they got. What Darren Simmons can do. Yeah, he's one of the rare guys that you could give that opportunity to, and he wouldn't be offended if you didn't bring him back as the head coach. I think it's a real unique thing. And for me, like, if I'm the GM or I'm Duke Dobin or whatever, that's or, or whoever's in charge of this thing right now, that's the decision that I will make right now at this moment. But what happens is they wait so long to make those big decisions that it puts them in scramble mode just like they did when they had Zach Taylor. And when you wait that long, Time is ticking, moving, but people are moving. Now Ross is alienated for a whole season. You absolutely just lose out. That's a complete wash. When you get a new fresh mind in here right now at this very moment, now is the time to do it because then you could kind of evaluate everybody accordingly and get out of this funk like you're saying, like 
Dunlap isn't being evaluated like currently. Uh, Gino isn't being evaluated. Sean Williams isn't. You got all these guys that you're going to go into an offseason with a brand new staff, and you don't even know what you have because there's nothing on tape. Nah, that's facts. Nah, I have to I have to agree with that. So thank you guys for listening. This has been the Orange is a New Black podcast. Uh Ace and Zim Hude. You can follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. Join him in his lives. Also subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's got the Zim Hude YouTube channel, and we are gonna bounce back and forth between his channel and my channel. So be sure that you're subscribed so that you can stay tuned and watch all of them. Uh, also be sure to download the Cincy Jungle podcast. If you're just listening to this exclusively on YouTube, you can listen to it there or any podcast platform that you're getting. And yeah, man, Bengals go down and lose. We're going to have to bounce back against the Browns and we will catch you guys later. Who there? Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.